This morning we're looking at Luke 16, uh, 19 through 31, uh, a fun little story that Jesus tells. Um, so I, I've talked about stories like this uh, before, but just here, here's where we are. I'll mention it later too. Um, Jesus is, you'll find it on the screen behind me. Why do I have to say that every time? I just do. On the screen. You can follow along. Anyway, so Jesus is, um, there comes a point in, in, Luke's, in Luke's telling of, of Jesus' story, and this is in Luke chapter 9, where uh, Jesus, uh, Luke tells us that he, he set his face toward Jerusalem. Uh, and so he's going to make his way to Jerusalem. Now Galilee is in the north, Jerusalem uh, is in the south. And um, so we know what happens in Jerusalem. So he's going, the the crucifixion and eventually resurrection. So he, he resolutely sets his face to, to Jerusalem. Um, and so he's going there, and the, and the way that geography works is uh, in between, there's this place called Samaria. And it's, I guess we could sort of call it enemy territory. It's filled with a lot of people who, who have uh, a great animosity towards uh, the Jewish people. And so, and Jews have great animosity towards the Samaritans as well. So, so there's this uncomfortableness there. Most Jews go around Samaria when they make their way from Galilee to Jerusalem. Jesus is like, nah, man, we go through Samaria. And during this trip through Samaria, in Luke's gospel, he tells 10 different stories. Um, and this is one of those uh, stories. And uh, that becomes significant later, and I'll tell you why in a little bit. So before we read it, let's pray uh, together. Uh, thanks for this book. Again, uh, we trust, Holy Spirit, that, that you will do what you do. That our hearts will be opened, that we will see things that maybe we haven't seen before that will We'll see things inside of us that maybe we haven't seen before or maybe we've seen and we've, we've always known was there and yet maybe now is the time we start to, to do something about it. So come Holy Spirit upon us, we pray. Help us to hear your voice. In Jesus' name, amen. So Jesus tells this story. There is a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and lived in luxury every day. Can I just stop there for a minute? I kind of want to be a little seventh grader. Can I be a, may I be a seventh grader for a second? Is that okay? Okay. So purple, dressed in purple robes. Purple is very hard to come by. Like you have to be uber rich to get it. So he's got these purple robes, probably... Um, Right underneath his, his, uh, his purple robes, there's pr probably, we can assume, there's more purple garments because uh, this guy is uber rich. He lived in luxury every day. And then, and then Jesus throws in this, this thing about fine linen. You know what he's talking about there? His underwear. Like this guy, he's not wearing armachillos. Call back to six weeks ago. He's not wearing armachillos, no. Whatever's like the best underwear you could buy anywhere in the world, that's what he's wearing. Like this is sort of a, if I were British, I would say that this is Jesus being cheeky, right? So Jesus is like, yeah, he's wearing purple robes. Oh, 
and fine linen. Dude's got the best underwear. You wouldn't even believe it. He lives in luxury every day. Okay, thanks. That's all. So now you can tell that to your friends. Jesus is making a joke about underwear. At his gate was laid a beggar named Lazarus, covered in sores, longing to eat what fell from the rich man's table. That's normally the, the job of dogs. But even the dogs came and licked his sores. Back then they thought that it actually felt some relief from dogs licking your sores. actually had a healing quality to it, by the way. So, so the only ones to have compassion on this man are the dogs. And by the way, Jews didn't like dogs. But the dogs have compassion. The time came when the beggar died and the angel carried him to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried. In Hades, when he was in torment, he looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. So he called to him, Father Abraham, have pity on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue because I am in agony in this fire. That's how he sees Lazarus, even in death. But Abraham replied, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things, while Lazarus received bad things. But, how, but now he is comforted here, and you are in agony. And besides all this, between us and you, a great chasm has been set in place, so that those who want to go from here to you cannot, nor can anyone cross over from there to us. He answered, Then I beg you, Father, send Lazarus to my family, for I have five brothers. Let him warn them so that they will not also come to this place of torment. Abraham replied, What? They've got Moses and the prophets. Let them listen to them. They have all they need. Their faith tradition is there. No, Father Abraham, he said. But if someone from the dead goes to them, they'll repent. That would be such a, whoa! They'll repent. And then he said to them, what? If they don't listen to Moses and the prophets, they're not going to be convinced even if someone rises from the dead. We'll go that far. Okay. So this story, if you had to guess, is it ultimately about what happens after we die? Anyone? So, so the, no, this isn't again. Remember, I, we talked a little bit about last week. Jesus had very little to say about what happens after we die. This isn't a story about what happens after we die. This is a story about here, now, in our present. This is a story about how we make our way in the world. This is a story about how we live our lives. This is a story about our orientation towards the world. This is a story about how we like to draw lines 
We're really good at it. We're really good at drawing lines and marking out territory. We do it to distinguish between what's ours and what's yours. We, we do it to distinguish between uh, who's in and who's out, to distinguish between us and them. We have three boys, and I have to tell you, now that they're a little bit older, they're pretty good at sharing their stuff. They're really good at sharing their stuff. I believe this is a, this is a parent win for Renee and me, like they're good now at sharing their stuff. But when they were younger, Every once in a while, one of them, okay, I have to be honest, sometimes we hear this today, but anyway, it's a lot less than it used to be. When they were younger, one of them would cross a line, and we would hear something like this, hey, that's mine, give it back to me. Mom, dad, because when someone crosses a line, you alert the authorities, <laughs> right? You call the police. So, I mean, all of us could take out right now our, our phones and we could open up Google Maps and we would see lines everywhere on there, separating nations and states, cities, neighborhoods, like you name it. Or we could just take a trip home, drive through our own neighborhoods and we would see all sorts of not lines. Streets, sidewalks, driveways, doors, garage doors, lines everywhere, absolutely everywhere. All of these lines are marking out territory. Be careful where you go, we're taught. Don't cross a line. You get yourself into some trouble. Someone might even call the authorities, right? We're good at this. We do this. Lines everywhere. We're really good at drawing lines and marking out territory. What's interesting about this is when we start reading the stories about Jesus in the Bible, it doesn't take us very long to, to notice, at least if we're willing to notice it, that Jesus is really good about crossing lines. Like, this is one of the things that I keep pointing out. And one of the reasons why I keep pointing it out is because this theme is all over the pages of the stories about Jesus in the Bible. And once you see it, if you're willing to see it, you cannot unsee it. And here's the thing about Jesus. He crosses these lines with confidence all the time completely disregarding the barriers that we separate, that we set up to separate ourselves from others, to separate what's yours from what's mine, barriers that protect us from them. I mean, he eats with tax collectors and sinners and prostitutes. He touches lepers. Uh-uh, big no-no. Yeah, he does it, crosses lines, interacts with all the funky people in this world that we're not supposed to interact with, or we might get into some trouble. So at this point in Luke's story, remember I told you, Jesus is taking his disciples from Galilee in the north to Jerusalem in the south. Most good Jews go around Samaria, enemy territory, people with whom they have a great animosity. He takes them through Samaria. He's like, nah, we're not going around. We're going through because maybe we have something to learn from people who are different than us. So he's taking them through a barrier and now they're mixing it up with people who are different than them. It's the last few days. Get this. This is the last few days before the last week in his life. And here he is. He knows it. He's spending time crossing lines, stepping over boundaries, disregarding barriers. And I think Jesus is trying to say something with his actions. And I think he's also trying to say something with this little story that he tells us, right? Actually, 
This is, this is one of the best parts of the story. Jesus is taking an old Jewish or an old Egyptian folktale. This is a, a, this is a folktale from a different religious tradition and, and experience. He's taken this old Egyptian folktale and he's bringing it to his own tradition. He's like, that's pretty good. We could learn something from this. So he changes some details, changes some names in there, puts Abraham in the story, because if you're going to take an old Egyptian folktale and you're going to make it your own, who do you put in there but Father Abraham? So he puts Father Abraham in there. He puts, uh, he puts Lazarus' name in there, which means the one whom God helps. And oh, it's so good. So he takes this and he crosses a line, brings it here, and he tells this story to sort of help us to pay attention to, to the boundaries to, that we set up, the barriers that we set up. Now, some boundaries that we set up are good and healthy. And the people in your life will tell you this, including pastors and therapists and moms and dads and aunts and uncles. But there are other barriers that we set up that can be harmful. Other lines that we draw to intentionally separate us from them that can have devastating consequences in our lives. And that's the kind of thing that Jesus is talking about here. Notice all the lines in the story. Notice all the separations in the story. They're right there if you're willing to see them. There was a rich man who was dressed in purple and had great underwear. He lived in luxury. <laughs> Sorry, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to milk that for what it's worth because it's so funny. It's supposed to be funny. That's what's great about Jesus. At his gate... So rich man, wearing great stuff, and laying at his gate was a beggar named Lazarus, covered in sores. So you got the rich man, covered in fine linen, covered in the best stuff you can wear, and there's a clear line between the two of them because you got Lazarus covered in sores. Both of them, right? Both of the, they're, they're, there's a line distinguishing between the two of them, both in what they're wearing, and also there's the gate there separating the two of them, keeping the rich man in, the Lazarus, Lazarus out. Then both of them die, right? And Jesus is like, that's so great because we've got this line that separates them, right? but then like at the same time, they both die. Meaning, really, at, at base level, they're the same. They both die. You've got this line, very clear, separating it, but they both die. It's like Jesus' clue, right, at the beginning. Lazarus winds up next to Abraham, and the rich man winds up in the other place, the fiery place. Right? There's a great chasm fixed there between the two of them. And then, at the end of the story, the rich man who suffers greatly wants the line between life and death to be crossed so that his five brothers can learn about the consequences of their own line drawing, right? So, send Lazarus to warn my brothers. And Abraham's like, nah, man, ain't gonna do it. Nope. If they're not gonna listen to Moses and the prophets if they're not going to let their own tradition, their own faith tradition, change the way that they live and transform their lives, 
in this world, then not even someone rising from the dead and coming back is going to convince them. They have everything they need. If they don't allow their faith tradition to transform them, then not even someone rising from the dead is going to convince them. So ultimately, this story, when it comes down to it, it's not about what happens after we die. It's about the five brothers. What will they do? We're left wondering in this story. What will they do? The story's about whether or not they're going to cross the line of faith and allow what they believe to actually transform them and the way they live in this world. Will they allow their faith to determine how they walk around in this world? Will they allow their own faith tradition to, uh, to open their eyes to the realities that surround all their line drawing and barrier setting? And ultimately, if it's about the five brothers, then it's about you and me. What about us? Will we allow our faith tradition to transform us and to change us, to open our eyes? Right? So what are the realities that surround our line drawing and barrier setting? What are they? Here's one. I think it's obvious. We all know it. Our line drawing, our marking out of territory can cause those of us who are privileged, those of us who have, to just be blind to those who are in need. People in need become essentially invisible to us. Or to say it another way, our privilege can cause us to intentionally ignore those who are in need. Think about the story. Consider the rich man. Right? You cannot miss his presence. The rich man is the center of the community. And every community has these people. We can think about names of people in our own community. We're like, that, 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 that. We got names of people we can think of. He's the center of the community. He looks good. He smells good because he's got the best oils, the best perfumes, and he bathes in them every day. His very existence sort of gives the community its own sort of distinction. They live here. Everybody knows where he is and what he's up to because he's that important. And then we've got Lazarus. Lazarus, on the other hand, well, that dude's invisible. And in his invisibility, he shares the fate of the poor and the sick. Right? And here's the deal about us human beings and every society. We find, our, we find the best ways to shut our eyes and ears to people like, to people like Lazarus. We use deodorant and garbage trucks to cover up and get rid of the smell of decay. This is what we do. We put our sick in hospitals. We put our poor in slums. We put our garbage in landfills because we don't want to see it. We don't want to smell it. We don't want to look at it. It's uncomfortable. We find our ways to, to turn our eyes away from that which we do not want to look at so we don't have to see it. We don't have to smell it. We make it invisible. It's over there somewhere. We do this with all sorts of things that make us feel uncomfortable, don't we? Eugene Peterson tells a story about his friend Karen who has a friend of hers who's confined to a wheelchair. Karen's friend, Karen is a reporter, by the way, 
Karen's friend gave her sort of an agenda because Karen was asking her about how do, how do I become an advocate for people who are disabled in our community? So Karen's friend uh, gave her an assignment. She rented a wheelchair and her husband pushed her around in a local museum where King Tut's remains were being uh, displayed. What she wanted to do is wanted to see what, what is it like to be in a wheelchair right? in a place like that. The place was crowded. People all over the place, waiting to get a glimpse of the, of the dead king's jewelry and fine linen, right? Essentially, essentially the, the purple robes and the fine linen. They, they wanted to see what did, that, what did that look like back then when King Tut was alive. And here's what, here's what Karen found out. She found out that during the five, five hours of being wheeled around in this crowded place, not once did someone make eye contact to her with her. Not once did someone look at her. Men and women just averted their eyes. They only had eyes for what was left of the dead rich man. She was invisible. Lazarus in a wheelchair. And we do this all the time, right? We draw lines. We make distinctions. And when we draw lines to separate us from them, it can cause us to be blind, to ignore people who are in need. We deny people the basic respect that every human being deserves to be noticed. To know that, yeah, your life matters in this world. We draw lines Others become invisible. But there's a problem for those of us who follow Jesus. If that's the kind of life we're living, there's a problem. Because when Jesus first started doing his thing, sort of began in Galilee, a little place called Nazareth, he stood up in the temple and he announced to everyone there, he said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me to preach good news. To the poor. He's like, this is what my life is all about. Jesus' mission was all about paying attention and bringing good news to those who are invisible. Not to get them to heaven. This isn't a story about what happens when we die. This is a story about here and now. What's good news for the poor now? God is on your side. If that was his mission, like his mission was to bring good news to those who are in need, to those who are invisible. And if, that's, if that was his mission, it probably ought to be ours. Right? If we're not careful, our abundant resources, our privilege can cause us to not see, to become blind, or to just flat out ignore those who are in need. Because we don't have to. We don't, we don't have to. We're fine. In fact, sometimes we get, we, we get this idea that, like, I worked hard for what I got. Like, if they just work hard. Sometimes reality is, that is a reality. Right? We ignore, we push away, we set aside. That doesn't cost us anything. There's another consequence, and this one is sort of the result of our inability to see those 
who are in need. We then fail to feel empathy or compassion for those who are in need, for those who are hurting. If we don't see them, if we ignore them, if our privilege causes us to be, to be blind to them, then we can't feel compassion or empathy for others. That's why line crossing is so important. That's why Jesus does this all the time. Constantly, consistently, with confidence, breaks barriers. It's why Jesus intentionally mixes it up with the rest of the people that society ignores. Because he wants to feel for them. He wants to feel compassion for them. Imagine how different this story would be if the rich man had just left his gate and looked down. Imagine if the rich man had walked out of his palace, out of the gate, looked down, and decided, I'm going to spend the night under the stars with this guy. I'm going to ask him questions. I'm going to find out where he came from. I'm going to find out where his family is. I'm going to find out, why do you have sores? Imagine how differently this story would have ended. Dude's got the resources to do whatever he wants. Imagine how different this story would have ended up. But he doesn't. kind of want him to, don't you? So when I was, after college, I worked at Sherwin-Williams, right over there, for two years. Um, and one of the things I remember about working there is my first few months, um, about halfway through my shift, I would, I would get this splitting headache. Oh, it hurt so bad. It was excruciating. Um, especially when I worked in the back room where all the paint was stored, uh, where we did a lot of shaking. These big machines would shake these five-gallon buckets full of paint and would mix the colors in there. And anybody guess why I would get a splitting headache? Oh, the fumes, right? Oof, this is bad. But here's what happened. After about three, four months, yeah, it was fine. I didn't notice the fumes anymore. It was gone. I didn't get headaches. Like, I got used to the smell. I could, I could walk in from, from outside and come inside, and I wouldn't even notice that it smelled differently in there. Go walk into Sherwin-Williams and notice the smell. Or maybe this is better. I just got used to them. Maybe this is better. Have you ever walked into a bakery? Oh, my goodness. Oh, you walk into a bakery, and you're like, give me all the bread and cookies you can. Give me all the carbs. I want to fill my body with it all because it smells so good. There's nothing like walking into a bakery. But I would imagine that over time, the people who work there, the bakers and the other people, I would imagine it's just kind of normal. Like, like you and I, we walk into a bakery and we're like, oh, it's so good. They walk into the bakery and they're like, yeah, this is work. They don't notice anymore. It never, it never, again, gives them that feeling of, oh, it's so scrumptious. It's so beautiful. It never gives them that vibe anymore because you just kind of get used to it. It's just the way it is. It's kind of how perspective is, isn't it? Like, think about the way that we live our lives. Right? We surround ourselves with people who think like we do. We surround ourselves with people who believe the same things that we believe. It feels good. It's comfortable. 
We know what we're going to get. We follow certain people on Twitter. We pay attention to certain people on Facebook. We watch certain news channels on, on the news networks because we always know we're going to get what we want to hear. And it makes us feel good. Sometimes it's good to step out. Sometimes it's good to step out of those things to listen to someone with a different perspective. Proximity changes everything. Here's the deal. This, this is not what we're taught. We're taught the opposite of this. People who live differently than we do, the people who think differently than we do, they're not our enemies. We're the same. They're going to die. So are we. We're the same people. They're not our enemies. Sometimes when you get close to someone who has a different perspective than you do, you realize that these are real people with real feelings. And you begin to have compassion for them. They might just be the right kind of people who can teach us the kinds of things that we need to learn. So it's important for us to cross lines. It's important for us to to listen to different perspectives. Some of the best learning I've ever had in my life was listening to people who think differently than I do. And sometimes you'll listen to people and you're like, oh man, you totally disagree with them and you're filled with anger and angst, right? And you realize, I used to believe that, but now I don't. And you have this animosity towards them, right? When that happens, I want you to think about your former self. Because you used to be right there. That used to be you. And I want you to listen to this idea from, from a guy named Richard Rohr, who used to, who's a Catholic. What am I doing listening to Catholic people? This is good. Richard Rohr tells us that in life, there comes a time when we have to transcend where we've been, but include where we were. So you don't hate your former self. You think about yourself and what you used to think, and you're like, I didn't know what I didn't know. So you don't hate your former self. You're like, no, I love that person because that person eventually brought me to where I am today. So you transcend, you learn, but you also include your former self. And you realize that, okay, there are people in this world who, who are where I used to be. I can't hate them. No. I have to include. So hard. You might need a therapist to help you work through that. That's good. This story from Jesus calls us to action. This story, this little parable, is calling us to cross the lines that we've set up. This little parable is calling us to pay attention to the barriers we've constructed, to protect us from them. When we cross lines, 
suddenly invisible people become visible. When we see the needs of hurting people, we have compassion. And sometimes that compassion can compel us into action. Right? It's, why we, it's why we do work with, with the bridge home every once in a while. Right? That is so good for us. We rub shoulders with people who have, who have needs that we've never experienced. We rub shoulders with the people who've been working with them for years and years and years. It changes the way we see the world. We drive off Highway 30 onto South Duff, and there's a person standing there with the sign. We no longer avert our eyes. We look at them, and we go, I know where you can go. I can help you. I can point you in the right direction. It pushes us in to action. There are needs in our own state, our own city, our own neighborhoods. What lines do we need to cross? What different perspectives do we need to, to hear from in your family, in your neighborhood, work, at school? Because when we cross lines, it, it moves us to compassion and then to action. And enough of us get in on it. Look, we can change the world. If enough of us get in on this, it can be revolutionary. The, revolutionary. the revolution begins not with wall building, not with separating ourselves because we don't agree, right? That's what children do. That's what children do, right? But we want our children to grow past that, beyond that. We want our children to grow up. The revolution begins not with wall building, but with line crossing. Right? Just look at the life of Jesus. Once you see it, you can't unsee it. That's where the revolution begins. <laughs> Jesus did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but emptied himself took on the form of a slave, became one of us, crossed the line to show us how line crossing is done. That's cool.